What is the worst thing that ever happened to you? Or what is your greatest fear? What is that thing that you would despise if someone would wake you up at 3 in the morning and told you that this just happened? What was your worst fear and what was the worst thing that happened to you? No matter what happened in the near past, in your past, it's something that echoes through your hearts and your souls, or it's something that you fear. Have you thought about that? American Atheism is a website and an organization that has begun by its founder, known as Madeleine O'Hare. Madeleine O'Hare, in her website, states, Leave religion and theism behind. For atheism, there's a hope for pure logic and pure reason, even though that's impossible without God. For atheism, there's a hope that leave religion and leave theism, the fact that God's going to interact with your life, because it's all meaningless anyways, just leave it behind and come into a world of nothingness. That's what Madeleine O'Hare promises, that you can have a good life even though there is no goodness in atheism, or at least atheism can explain what goodness is. That's what she promises or at least her organization does, American Atheists. So I'd like to share with you what people have shared with me over the years about some of their struggles with God. Some maybe have even went so far to join the American Atheists because of things that they struggled with. It sort of goes back to what I shared with you before. What's the worst thing that happens to you? What's your greatest fear? So all this I've heard before. Back in high school, my friend always said this, I don't believe in God because God would have never allowed the Holocaust to happen. Now, this is many years ago, back when the Holocaust was fresher in American mind. Actually, it wasn't him who said it. It was his friend who, his friend's father who said it. I don't believe in God because there's a God. Then how could God allow six million people to be killed in a systematic way? And God did nothing. Where is God with that? I did have a response then in high school, but I do now. I don't believe in God because of that. Or... I believe there is a God, and I've heard this over the years. Heard this a few years ago, but I don't believe in God. I believe there's a God, but God has nothing to do with me or to us, because if there is a God, then God would not have allowed me to suffer what I suffered, and it was quite atrocious. So I don't believe in God, because God wasn't there when this was happening, this hideous sin was happening to me. Or this also happened. After 9-11, I saw religion as a cause of misery. Because 9-11, the world witnessed as people who claimed to be religious flew planes full of fuel into large towers, killing thousands of people and endangering the lives of tens of thousands of people. Not only was it the buildings in the largest city in the world, but it was also the Pentagon and the White House. And there's religious people who took religious vows and did religious rituals, and in the name of religion, they killed innocent people. And I see religion as a cause of misery and suffering. Whether it was the Crusades that happened a thousand years ago, whether it's a war between the Protestants and Catholics in Ireland, I've given up on religion. Look what religion brings us. And all this is due to the foolishness of believing in the unseen. American atheists. I became an atheist simply because of that. Very difficult questions. And finally, I've also heard this recently. I don't want to hear about God. Because if he really loved me, my mother would have never died. And it isn't so much the pain, but the inability to even talk to that person because the person has been hurt so deeply. Can I get over the fact that if God really loves me, then God would, why would God have taken my loved one? And for this, people struggle. 
And some struggle to the point where maybe it's just easier to give up on the whole notion of a God who loves us and a God who interacts with our lives. It is just too painful. Just too painful to overcome. So what to you is worse, if I had to ask you? What to you is worse? Is it anger about what someone has done to you? Anger to how you're being treated? Is it fear? What's the difference between fear and grief? Fear is the belief that something bad may happen. I live in fear of what may happen to my loved ones, my family, even my nation. Even Ukraine, let's be honest, Ukraine's shaken up a little bit. What happens if it spills out into Poland or Latvia? What might happen to our world? Fear is the belief that something bad may happen or there's guilt. Maybe there's guilt that only you know of in your heart and soul. And maybe I know the guilt's there and I haven't taken it to God yet. I hear that God forgives me, but I yet have not surrendered that to God. There is also grief. Fear is a belief that something bad may happen. Grief is a belief that something bad has happened. Crying at night at the death of a loved one a few months ago. The pain of losing someone over the years. There is grief. What is worse? Or seeking vindication. I got messed over at the workplace. I got messed over by a former spouse. I got messed over by a friend. And I was right and they were wrong and they gave some bogus story and I seek vindication. I want the world to know what to you is worse. So that leads us right, and there's also doubt, get to that later, that leads us right into Job. Well, you know Job, suffering Job. So Job was a man of faith, but what good is faith if life is really good? And what good is faith until maybe faith gets tested and I have to go through some junk and faith is proved worthwhile? And so Satan approached God and said, God, Job's only your follower because something's good going on in his life. But what happens if we ask Job to get out of the boat? Is Job going to remain faithful to you? And so God and Satan make a pact. And before we think about Job, what happened if God and Satan make a pact about you or I, then it become much more personal. And God said, I believe my servant Job is going to stick with me no matter what will happen to him. And so Job became suffering Job. They took his family away, his children away. They took his possessions away. He dealt with illness. He dealt, and most, probably the worst thing that happened to Job was his friend said, I told you, Job, that you've been living a sinful life. And Job was very angry. Job was, in many ways, a righteous brother. And he lost that loving feeling. There's nothing loving in his life. A righteous brother, he lost that because of so much misery he went through. And it was his friends that he was angry at. His friends accused him. See, Job, I told you you were a sinner. That's why this is happening, even though that's not truth. And so Job writes this. Can you read it with me? Oh, that my words were recorded on a scroll that they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead, are engraved in rock forever. I want the world to know from this day and forward that I got messed over and I'm an innocent man. I'm a righteous brother and I'm an innocent man and you, my friends, have messed me over and Satan messed me over and I didn't deserve any of this and I want the world to know this. Have you ever felt like that in your life? I want the world to know I'm innocent. And that was Job's pain. So to Job, there was no justice in the world. To Job, there are doubts and despairs, where is God? So what did God do? God looked Job in the face and said, I am God and you are not. 
And let me be God because I know what's best for you. And ultimately, Job stops complaining about God. He is God and I am not. And I will let God be who God is. Hopefully that's something that we all take to heart. I am God and I will let God be who God is. Because I am not God. That is not our position. And ultimately, Job knows this. He'll be what? Maybe not in this life. But he knows definitely in the life to come that he'll have peace and love and true justice. And so Job writes this. Can you read it with me? And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. How my heart yearns within me. And ultimately, Job knows that he will see God and he will have a life of peace. So it reminds me of a former member in a former parish, and she lost three children. I'm not sure how anyone deals with losing three children. But she ultimately says, I know I will see them again. I know God has a plan. For her faith is inspirational to me. Her faith can be inspirational to you. Yet in my flesh, I will see God. That's Job. Then a disciple story. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, when the doors were locked in fear of the Jews, notice they were fearful. Fear is the belief that something bad will happen. Oh yeah, Lord, I'm never going to leave you up until the time you're arrested. Oh Lord, I'm never going to leave you until the place that the nails are driven in your hand. Oh Lord, I'm going to be with you until you're under arrest. And they were afraid. What's fear again? Fear is a belief that something bad will happen. We call them phobias. Do you have any phobias? You know what phobophobia is? Fear of fear. All sorts of phobias. Sorry for this. Uh, there's a double up here. Anybody know what scopophobia is? Give you some hints. There's a telescope and a microscope. It's seeing. Scopophobia is I don't like people looking at me. There's also acrophobia. What's that? Fear of what? Heights, I have acrophobia. This is fine where I'm at, no higher, okay? 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 It doesn't bother me being up there, I just stand about three feet back, okay? There's also nyctophobia, what's that? That's not fear of nicotine, that's fear of night. There's hydrophobia, what's that? Fear of water, I had a friend when I was a kid, wouldn't go swimming, I was afraid of it. How dumb, well then how can you be afraid of heights? How dumb? Sorry, there's a double here, acrophobia. Okay, all sorts of fear. So what did Jesus do? Can you all read it with me? Now, when Jesus says, peace be with you, there's a couple ways we look at peace. For us, we see peace as absence of violence. We hope there's peace between Ukraine and Russia to just stop fighting. It's sort of a level, level, lower way of seeing peace. Another way of looking at peace is that, okay, have peace, there's no more violence, Another way of looking at peace is that maybe my life's going to be free from turmoil and things are going to settle down. But another way of looking at, and there's also Jesus, but another way of looking at peace is no matter what's happening in my life, I'll rest in the promise of God. I'll rest in the blessing that in the future I will see him again. I will rest in God that God is with me forever. That's the ultimate view of peace. See peace as this. Paint it in your head with me. There's a wide river, 50 yards wide, rushing water, rushing down. There's a large waterfall, you're picturing with me, 100 feet, and the water's splashing over. 
You see the waterfall? Now there's a thunderstorm. And the wind's blowing and the wind's splashing around. And limbs are falling in. There's lightning and thunder. It's dark, right? And along, along the river, on the bank, there's a large tree. You picturing with me? There's wind and there's lightning and there's thunder and it's blowing. And the tree has a large branch. It goes over the river. The river's flowing. There's a waterfall. There's lightning and thunder and wind. There's a nest. Picturing, there's some eaglets in the nest and there's a large eagle over them. That's peace. Peace isn't the absence of conflict and turmoil. Peace is knowing that God is with me in with enduring turmoil and pain. That's peace under eagle's wings. That's peace. I rest in God's goodness no matter what's going on. And finally, Thomas, the doubter and unbeliever. So what do you think? Some people say he's a doubter. Some people say he's an unbeliever. Let me say what he says. Unless I see the marks of his hands, unless I put my fingers where his marks are and touch his side, I will not what? Say it. So is he a doubter or is he an unbeliever? So what did Jesus say? Put your hands here. Touch my side. Stop doubting and what? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet what? That would mean all of us here unless someone here has seen the resurrected Lord, which I haven't. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet what? Believed. Peace. That's like Job being able to see his Redeemer. I see. The eyes of faith see. What's your story? What have you been through? What are your fears? Is it anger? Stories that you don't tell anyone else? Fear? What are you afraid of? Because we're all afraid of something. Is it guilt? Is it grief? Seeking vindication. Where are you at? God is with you. He says, peace be with you. Doubt. What's the theology of the cross? And don't say, I know Jesus died for me. That's not the theology of the cross. The theology of the cross is this. No matter what happens in my life, my relationship with God is not dependent upon what happens to the outset of my life. My relationship with God is always dependent that Jesus Christ died for me. I see God not in the good things that happen in my life, but I see God that his promises in the cross are true no matter the junk in my life. My favorite whipping boy is Joe Osteen. Because what Joel Osteen says is, I can take the cross away from you, and every day can be like a Friday, and you can have your best life right now. But Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, if anyone come after me, let them deny themselves and pick up their what? And follow me. The theology of the cross is that God's goodness is seen only in his death and resurrection for me, even though my life is falling apart. Even though I'm dealing with fear, doubt, guilt, anger, whatever I'm dealing with. We have a new church sign, it's not up yet. But the first thing we should put on our church sign, to be honest, is come suffer with us. Because Jesus did say there will be trials and tribulations. He didn't promise anyone a rose guard. He didn't promise us a smooth flight, but he did promise us a safe landing. Come suffer with us. The theology of the cross says, no matter the junk in my life, Jesus still has died for me and my victory is there. Compared to, I can take your cross away from you, which is nonsense. Matter of fact, the closer you draw to God, the larger your cross gets. It's a theology of the cross. But my victory is in the cross. That's where it's at. So I like this pamphlet. Let's go back to atheism. So the atheists come to the door. You've had religious people come to your door before? I don't like it. I don't know. Atheists come to your door and what do they do? And the man says this pamphlet is blank. And they say we're atheists. Because atheists believe we come from nothing, 
We have nothing and we offer nothing. The world is just one big mistake and we're nothing more than apes who wear pants. That's atheism. Come from nothing, believe in nothing, and offer nothing. That's atheism. All absurd and useless, but we know different from Job and from the disciples and from you and I. We owe Christ. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet, yet believed. So we can say, I know that my what? That's what Job said. Disciples say, that's what we say. So how about this for a closing thought? I yanked it out from Martin Luther's famous hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Do you see the theology of the cross? Do you see the hope there? Read it with me. And take they our life, goods, fame, child, and spouse. Those all these be gone, the kingdom ours remaineth. And all God's people say, Amen.